0: You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage.
1: Post Live Election Daily, hosted by national political reporter Robert Costa, is a daily snapshot of the state of the 2020 election. Each day, Costa and other Washington Post reporters will give you the headlines, the inside track on key congressional races, and a behind the scenes assessment on the presidential race in top battleground states. And we'll hear from key newsmakers and top political players. In this episode, you'll hear from White House Chief Economic Advisor Larry Kudlow. Let's listen. Good afternoon. I'm Bob Costa, national political reporter with The Post. Joining me this afternoon is Larry Kudlow, President Trump's top economic advisor and the director of the National Economic Council. Larry, good to have you here. Thank you for coming.
0: Thanks, Robert. Appreciate it.
1: Larry, as The Post's Rachel Siegel and Andrew Van Dam reported today, the U.S. economy did grow at a record 7.4% between July and September. It's recovered two thirds of the ground it lost during the first half of the year during this pandemic. But many economists remain wary because the figure comes as the country is still entering this period of rising coronavirus cases and the economy hasn't entirely healed. So let's begin with these new numbers. Do you acknowledge that these record gains follow record
0: losses? Well, of course I do. I mean, the pandemic contraction because of the shut-ins uh, last winter and spring uh, generated a very heavy economic toll, it's very heavy. Now, look, uh, you got a 33% increase, uh, annualized increase in the third quarter. That's a record. And I want to go underneath the hood here because I think this is a self-sustaining recovery. Um, the numbers are gargantuan. You, have, I'm just going to read them off. You have um, uh, consumer spending up 41 percent, housing up 59 percent, business investment uh, and equipment up 70 percent, and automobile production up uh, almost 1,200 percent. So my take, Robert, is this. This is self-sustaining. It's going to spill over into the current quarter and into next year, uh, policies permitting. But... The one missing link, and a lot of people have not talked about this, you're going to get a big inventory rebuild. Now, I don't mean to go into, you know, into the grass and weeds on business economics, but that's the way the economy works. You have rising demands uh, liberated by the uh, reopening of the economy. And now the inventories have to be rebuilt in order to meet those demands. That means you're going to have several quarters, maybe a good year of um, You know, more production, more manufacturing, more construction, more jobs, more wage increases. Uh, That's the way this is going to work. Larry, you talk about
1: your positive outlook. You say this is, quote, self-sustaining. But I have to contrast your comments just now with what Dr. Fauci said on CNBC on Wednesday night. He said it's going to get worse in terms of the pandemic. We're going into a colder season. We've got to do something different we just can't let this happen. He has a pretty bleak view about how this uh, will unfold with the pandemic. And the pandemic is connected to the economy, is it not?
0: Yes, of course. But, you know, uh, I would also say that Dr. Fauci, in our last virus uh, task force meeting, which, let's see, this is Thursday, I think was Monday or Tuesday. He said that we uh, mustn't and won't advocate shutting down the economy. That's a big difference from what happened last winter. And I think we are all agreed that another shutdown would carry costs and consequences way beyond the problem. We don't want the cure to be worse than the problem. That's been the president's position, but the experts are saying the same thing. Instead, let me offer you a a better alternative. I'm not denying that the virus is is popping up, particularly up in the uh, Northern Midwestern and the Plains States. I don't deny that. And I don't deny there's a lot of hardship from it. But having said that, we know how to protect the vulnerable. We've got more equipment and testing than ever before, more experience. We're doing a million tests a day right now. Uh, We have therapies coming online. And the principal mitigation efforts remain the same. Testing, uh, masking, um, distancing. Uh, good old fashioned hygiene, washing your hands. And I will add to this uh, Ambassador Burks and others at this meeting discussed um, not so much uh, big crowds, but people coming home uh, for the holidays or whatnot. I'm not saying they have to all wear masks all the time in their homes, but the distancing issue is probably important and people have to be on guard for that. Do you, so do you I agree, though, see, Larry, that, that do you agree well, hang with on the a to the staff Meadows? Let me finish this thought, Bob. I don't see another shutdown. That is not a mitigation technique that we favor. Uh, we, we can't dictate to every state; so They have the uh, ultimate authority, but that's our view. Uh, I know what's going on in Europe and um, I'm not going to tell them how to live either, but I just don't think the shutdown, another shutdown works. And that means the outlook for the economy is going to be better because we have proven that these kinds of mitigation guidelines, when followed, do contain the virus. That's an important point. So I don't think A leads to B in, in, in that logic. That's all I'm trying to get across. I don't think A leads to B. I don't think you're going to have a shutdown. And I do think business is going to continue to recover, and so will jobs and wages.
1: If you're not going to have a shutdown in the coming weeks or months, Does that mean your view is this administration has the virus under control?
0: Well, I I don't like the term under control. All right. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, I think ultimately, contained is a word that I do like. I think you go from mitigation to containment, and that's our strategy. Look, I I think ultimately, ultimately, the vaccine uh, is going to be, So important, and probably that's the ultimate fix. Now, um, again, at the virus task force meeting, uh, Mr. Fauci and others suggested uh, late December, early in the new year for the vaccine. Okay, no one knows. I'm not the scientist. I'm just telling you what what our health uh, experts are saying. Um, In the meantime, in addition to the mitigation, Robert, um, I do think the new therapies coming online, uh, Regeneron and so forth are very important and will be used more wisely. And I want to add to that, uh, insofar as the vaccine is concerned, when it is approved by the outside uh, uh, independent uh, counseling and and reviewers, uh, we have already put together a military and FEMA plan uh, to distribute vaccines, um, you know, in in large seven-figure numbers across the country. And I might add it will be done for free. Anybody that's not covered by insurance, anybody with uh, prior conditions and so forth, if you're not on Medicaid and so forth, we we will just give it to you for free. So we've got the distribution now. We're waiting for the final go-ahead. That's probably the ultimate solution. But again, coming back to the economy and today's GDP and and my suggestion that we can get a self-sustaining recovery, we are not going to shut down. But I'll tell you what else. We are not going to raise taxes, and we're not going to re-regulate, and we're not going to end... Uh, oil and gas, electricity, and power—that we're not going to do.
1: The stock market's had a rough stretch; uh, it slid in-, in recent days. Is President Trump concerned about that? And are there any plans, policy-wise, to address the stock market in the coming days or weeks?
0: No, not 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 specifically, Bob. I mean, I spoke to the president last evening uh, about the uh, economic releases. Um, we know the market's correcting. We know the market is fearful. Uh, about the spread of the uh, pandemic in Europe once again. Um, I, I get that, and corrections um, are probably appropriate. I'm not going to second guess the market, but I do think that our view is that the policies that generated tremendous prosperity pre pandemic, i.e., lower tax rates, rollback of unnecessary regulations, an uh, independent energy sector, oil, natural gas, all of the above, including including renewals, and uh, better trade policies. That stuff, which gave us a three and a half percent unemployment rate, gave us the highest living standards in 20 years, Uh, gave the biggest benefits to the middle and lower income classes and to minority groups. And those are facts. Those are facts from Census Bureau and the BLS. Um, Those policies need to be contained, need to be continued rather, I'm sorry, need to be continued. And that is his intent. If he's reelected is to continue those policies. And build on them. I mean, we're t- we're formulating right now middle class tax cut. We're formulating right now onshoring tax incentives uh, to bring uh, companies and supply chains back home to the USA. Uh, we're looking at additional trade deals like USMCA. All that will help create new incentives for a strong economic recovery. I say, don't change horses in midstream. Uh, stay with the guy and the policies that you brought you to this prosperity dance. And um, the other team disagrees, I understand that. We're gonna have an election on Tuesday and at some future point we'll know the outcome. But that's our point of view. We're not aiming at stocks particularly, but we're saying in general, uh, after this big jump in uh, GDP, we should be growing at five or 6% next year and then we should be growing at 3% plus in the following years. That's a normal prosperity cycle. We did it once, we can do it again.
1: You said the stock market's in a correction. How does that play out the rest of this fall?
0: Oh, you—you're not—you're asking for a cutlow uh, investment strategy. You you're sure <laughs> you, you want to hear that? <laughs>
1: I, you're the uh, president's doc, top economic advisor. How do you? You said it's a correction. How how far is it going to correct?
0: I don't know, Robert. Nobody ever knows, um, and I'm not even going to hazard a guess. I do think as the economy recovers. Uh, Under this uh, scenario, and I I know it's an optimistic scenario. You know, I'm an optimist, but I do think the facts bear it out. Uh, The stock market will take care of itself and the long rally will continue. I always believe in in buying stocks for the long run. I don't believe in short term trading. And I think the most of the 100 million plus investors around the country with their 401ks and their IRAs and so forth agree with me. Stocks for the long run. The economy can not only get back to normal, it can surpass normalcy. Uh, We are in a great prosperity cycle pre-pandemic, and I believe it can be rebuilt.
1: What's the plan though for the millions of Americans who still haven't recovered their jobs, who aren't feeling the celebration today?
0: Well, that's important. Uh, We put uh, about half the workforce that was unemployed has gone back to work, but that still leaves half. That's not good enough by a long shot. There's still too much hardship. And by the way, um, that's one of the reasons we wanted, uh, a narrower targeted assistance package. You know, I mean, look, I can give you two items that were always the top of our list. One of them was, uh, unemployment assistance because having not gotten the deal this summer and fall or so far, um, we put president Trump took the lead generated an executive order to provide a $300 federal plus-up with $100 from the states. But that's gonna run out. We use that by repurposing funds. That's gonna run out. We need a congressional appropriation to ensure that those people will remain covered by a federal uh, program during this um, difficult period. Second point we wanted was the aid to small businesses. I mean, here, this, the PPP uh, Payroll Protection Plan which probably saved 50 million jobs. Um, And you can see in the numbers, you know, we've had a good increase in jobs, 11.5 million payrolls and 14 million civilian uh, employment. Um, Temporary layoffs, you know, about half of them, gone, more than half, gone back to work. But the PPP had $135 billion unspent. Unspent. It would have been so easy to have congressional appropriations to repurpose those monies into a new cycle. I, I just never understood that. We, we can debate the ideological and political differences. We can relitigate that. We have an election for that. But in terms of economic assistance, to help the very group you just mentioned, the unemployed, which I agree with you is way too high, and we must deal with that. While the economy is recovering, we need to help them. And we should have had a deal. We should have had either standalone bills or something, Bob. We should have had a deal to help them and the small businesses that are most vulnerable, and hence the workers in the small business. And I just think it's a mystery why we could not have reached a compromise agreement. You know, today, I mean, Secretary Mnuchin calls me up at 7.30 this morning, uh, Speaker Pelosi has, sends a letter. Like we need a letter. He talks to her every day for the last three or four months, and that this letter mysteriously is published in the Politico before the secretary himself even gets a copy of it. I mean, that to us said, okay. Well, why doesn't the President Saudi Trump call up we're not Speaker Pelosi? Compromise? Why do you what? Why doesn't, why doesn't President Trump just pick up the phone and call Speaker Pelosi himself? Because Mr. Mnuch- secretary Mnuchin is a terrific negotiator and that process was working but unfortunately it didn't reach the the outcome um all the issues on the table but it became all or nothing and again with this morning's the business about the letter and so forth uh secretary is so frustrated on the phone and um, we just think she's stringing us along i'm sorry to say that it's not personal but i don't think she wants a deal or a compromise pre-election so Larry. we'll wait perhaps till post-election
1: That's why I asked you about calling the speaker herself, having the president do it. You say you've respected this process, but you've been griping about that letter from Speaker Pelosi in previous interviews today. Clearly, the process is broken down. So who's going to put it back together? If not Secretary Mnuchin, who brings this back but President Trump?
0: We're going to have an election in a couple of days. That's the DMZ line right now. And hopefully we can go back to work in some form or another right after the election, because again... Robert, I really believe uh, of all the issues out there in a potential package, the unemployment assistance and the small business assistance. And let me add, we had $105 billion outlined for um, K through 12 reopenings, COVID assistance, machinery, and so forth. I think those are the three most important areas. Maybe add airlines to a fourth, but those are the key areas. We should have done this last summer. Uh, now the election looms, and we'll wait until after that and see what happens. So let's say it's the lame duck.
1: Larry is Leader McConnell on the same page as you and President Trump? Is he going to politically speaking handcuff you during the lame duck on any stimulus
0: deal? Well, look, Leader McConnell, Mitch McConnell, I've known for a long time. He is a very wise man. He told us during this process that. If there was a genuine bipartisan bill, and uh, many of his asks are part of that bill, that he would be for it. But we didn't get those uh, uh, asks. I mean, you know one of them. I mean, you know as well as anybody, you cover the beat. One of them was the issue of uh, small business liability insurance. We should have built in some safeguards that would help to reopen the sector and rehire the workers. Why didn't we do that? I mean, gross negligence is one thing, okay, that you're going to go to the jail. But we don't want to get caught up in a maze of trial lawsuits, trial lawyers' lawsuits and so forth. This would have helped the economy enormously. Uh, And the Republicans didn't want to spend a lot of money that they think was um, unnecessary uh, to bail out badly managed states and localities. President Trump agreed with that point of view, pensions and so forth. That could be done later. You know, it could be done later that you didn't have to have an all or nothing package here. But look, uh, I've said my piece, Uh, I believe I've reflected the secretary's views and the president's views. We have an election and we'll hopefully go to work um, right after the election, because I agree with your point that the unemployed is an issue. Uh, We've come back 50 percent and the rest of the economy has come back, uh, frankly, over 90 percent. Uh, from the pandemic lows. But we have to protect and help the unemployed while the economy reactivates them back to work. So let's get it done and let's help the small businesses.
1: Larry, I keep hearing from the administration about these so-called blue state bailouts, but you've been a conservative your entire career. What about the record level of subsidies for farmers? Uh, Do you support that and, and why are they getting those record subsidies?
0: Well, one thing, Bob, um, you're talking about federal subsidies, I assume. Yes. Yeah, okay. So look, believe it or not, farm income, less the subsidies, has risen substantially under President Trump in the three years pre-pandemic, substantially. Now, farmers got some added help from us because uh, the China trade deal took a long time to pan out. There are a lot of disruptions to the marketplace uh, and their exports suffered. We have the strongest, best run technologically farm uh, sector in the world. But this trade problem got in the way and we decided to help them along the way. And um, secondly, the pandemic. I mean, we've given assistance to a lot of sectors and that included the farm sector. Those are not necessarily permanent subsidies. And you know, I don't want to forecast how long these emergencies are going to last. But yes, we came to their assistance. now. Here's the good news, uh, for all of our problems with China, and there are m- very important problems here for which they will be held accountable, notwithstanding we are engaged on trade and they are buying commodities, um, in fact the last couple of months in record volume. So that will help our farm sector quite a bit. But I thought the farm subsidies on a temporary basis were, were justified. That's a different question than 10 or 15 or 20 years of badly managed uh, cities and states.
1: Any tariffs coming on China for its handling of the coronavirus?
0: Well, no, not immediately, not in front of us. Um, as I say, so they're on the China, table. Ch- China will be held accountable for the lack of transparency and, you know, the possible instigation of the spread of the virus. Uh, that's all being looked into and discussed. Uh, we are very unhappy with China, not only on the on the China virus issue, but also on the Hong Kong issue. Uh, They broke all the treaties and uh, deprived that uh, colony of uh, its democratic uh, and free rights. We also oppose their human rights, uh, uh, which liberals should join us and liberals should join us on the Hong Kong question. I mean, the liberals should join us on all this stuff, as asked me. We need to be very tough on China and their military adventurism in the South China Sea. But we are engaged on trade. Ambassador Lighthizer has uh, he and I have spoken personally many times in the last few weeks. He's also told, informed the president, China is keeping its deal so far on the commodity purchases. And I think, Bob, also on the um, uh, Ambassador Lighthizer is, uh, let's say, mildly optimistic that uh, changes, structural changes will be made on the issue of intellectual property theft. So we'll be thankful for some progress there.
1: So it's it's clear the administration wants to keep its trade deal with China going. But you also say you want to hold them accountable if you're ruling out tariffs how do you hold them accountable in another way
0: well i'm going to leave that uh to post-election discussions Uh, we have a number of options we've already taken a number of actions on things like export controls and protecting uh uh, consumer personal information corporate information government information so then uh, regarding uh new measures and so forth i don't want to get ahead of the president but uh, all that, there's many things under discussion internally, and uh, we'll see.
1: And those would be economic penalties?
0: Um, perhaps.
1: Any details, Larry?
0: Not at the moment, Bob. Sorry. This well, is national appreciate- security. This is, you know, deep national security stuff, and uh, I'm not going to reveal that now. That's These final decisions will be up to the president, of course and the National Security Council. Uh, and we are working on a number of options there. Um, but China is very much on our mind. Secretary Pompeo gave another tough speech in uh, Asia. And I say, uh, good for him. He's been a great leader on this. And um, more will be forthcoming, but but not at the moment, Robert.
1: Larry Kudlow, really appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you. Thank
0: you, appreciate it. Thanks for listening.